0: We're all talking about it now.
1: Whereas, yeah, it's like we would never have talked about soccer.
0: It's six thirty here on WCBN FM and our radio point three. Thanks for listening to Daily Sports Report. Here's a little underrated tune of Guns N' Roses, Night Train. Underrated. Well, uh, the night train, yes, indeedy. Well, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM and Arbor. Gray Matters is the weekly news and media talk show, and my name is Dick Whaley, and Jim Dwyer should be here shortly. Our clocks are all in uh, <laughs> different uh, time zones, as they say, so we don't exactly know what time it is, but we know it's approximately 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And what time is it in Scotland? I don't know. <laughs> uh obviously uh my uh my sense of humor uh, today is is and my some of my comments are going to be heavily influenced by the spirit of Monty Python and the utterly wizable. this the, the situation is a wizable. <laughs> Lemon curry? <laughs> it's just uh it's got to be a Monty Python day. Uh- reasons uh they are some of the greatest uh musicians comedians writers poets that have ever existed in the english language but they have a lot of daft people and i never liked marmalade well uh, for
1: example uh, there's much about the british that is ridiculous some yeah. of it intentionally you mentioned the great humor in writing uh the whimsical spirit of the uh, many legendary musicians who've come from those shores. Uh, but, for example, British cuisine is an oxymoron. Kidney uh, pie. <laughs> there's uh, really not much to British cuisine, Christmas as someone once pudding. observed. Uh, they boil their bread. You know, that's that's the basic recipe in England is boiling. Christmas pudding. Boiling a bag.
0: Yorkshire pudding.
1: <laughs> but... Uh, They did, through nefarious means uh, and exploitation of their own people, uh, let's not forget that element of the British Empire, which of course once straddled the globe based primarily upon uh, business deals, uh, the birth of the corporation uh, in the modern sense. Uh, of course. a British and Dutch creation essentially right uh, British naval power uh, the legendary saying that the uh, sun never sets on the British Empire uh, which course. is
0: funny because the ultimate outcome of this vote rather than leaving the EU may be maybe uh, Scotland leaving the British leaving the UK right that's one of many yeah potential scenarios Incredible. here uh so the, sun, is, the sun may set on the, the british. sun
1: may yet set but as an <laughs> irish professor of mine once noted the reason the sun never sets on the british is because he can't trust them in the dark and apparently they can't even trust themselves in the dark because of the uh regret that's been expressed um,
0: well, certainly, there's already uh, a reg- movement afoot in regret. Regret, is what they're calling it. Well, and I think that's which been is part hilarious. of the problem
1: is that the cutesification of the monumental decision that it does turn out to be to exit a common market, the the European Union, um, is so casually dismissed in a cutesy. Oh, it's Brexit. We won't say the British exit vote. We'll say Brexit. Well, and then uh,
0: now you have regrexit. Yeah. It's like no, no, no. <laughs> Get rid of that phrase. Because uh, what is Brexit going to be? It's going to be b- b- exiting the British and right. exactly. <laughs> That's what Brexit's going to be. Uh, the end of Britain, it's of course, be, uh, 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 Great Britain, Britain. Britain. Yeah. Uh, United Kingdom. Uh, of course, uh, the Commonwealth. Right, uh, the crown. They have the sovereign. Yeah. They have so many great. Uh, uh, you know, besides
1: tourism and the banking industry, what are England's economic assets in this 21st century world? Uh, it turns out that 50% of their exports are sold directly to the European Union. They're now going to have to renegotiate uh, treaties everything with every single nation in Europe, and every existing uh, treaty that they had through the European Union with the rest of the world.
0: And the thing is, you know, Boris Johnson may may be a good negotiator. I don't know. He's a bit of a pompous blowhard, but Nick Farage— like an articulate Trump. You know, Farage is just—he's uh, he, a numbskull. He looks like a munchkin from Ireland. Um, well, he's he's not—he isn't even in Parliament. And, of course, this is going to go— Neither is
1: Boris, is he?
0: Well, he is technically um, he he's been the mayor of London, which is very odd because London has benefited uh, from this arrangement. I'd also like to point out Britain actually isn't really in the EU; they're in the political angle of the EU. True, but, the, right? The, but they, they have they their have own monetary,
1: currency, uh, union, right? So
0: they've always had this kind of separate relationship with the EU, and the the advantages that britain had were really benefited great britain and they've thrown that out out the window they've thrown it under the bus they've shot themselves in both feet and the thing that's so bizarre is that cameron who who made a kind of a promise to the public several years ago i believe it was technically in 2012 about this referendum this was one of is going to go down in history as one of the greatest blunders of all time. Why have a referendum? This sort of reminds me of, of uh, a divorced couple where mom drops the three children off for the weekend at dad's house. And uh, dad says, oh, well, we'll make them chicken and broccoli and uh, and roast potatoes. And then he comes around to dinner time and he asks his children, well, do you want chicken and broccoli and roast potatoes for dinner? Or do you want ice cream? <laughs> and, of course, all the kids are under uh, fifth grade and under, and they'll all go, we want ice cream. And he goes, great. I don't have to make the chicken, broccoli, and roast potatoes. I'll just open up this tub of ice cream here. And this is kind of what happened here. I mean, we have the the, the people of the central. I mean, the the map showing how this vote broke down is fascinating. Uh, because it shows, first of all, the dominance of uh, the uh, Remain vote in Scotland, particularly the urban areas. It even shows that Northern Ireland voted overwhelmingly. Well, When it comes to fiscal conservatism, I there's no one more thrifty than a Scotsman. Yeah. And, and this is the irony, is that Ireland may now disintegrate, too. I mean, Northern Ireland may disintegrate. Who knows? Um, th- this... All of the sort of uh, well, potentials raises the specter remain un- unknown throughout Europe uh, because
1: the Italian prime minister is looking uh, to advance a reforms program through uh, that's going to amount to a referendum that many will take advantage of as an opportunity to cast an anti-government vote. Uh, and then he's already announced that if his reforms package is not approved by the Italian voters, he'll step
0: down. In other words, Saddam Hussein knows how to how to run a plebiscite. <laughs> when he runs an election, he gets ninety-eight percent of the vote, and all of the people that show up at the polls look like Saddam Hussein. Uh, the,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the political consequences in England for those you know exit supporters who said, because I'm not going to say Brexit, the exit supporters who were saying, "Oh, uh, any excess monies garnered from this severance." We'll go towards national health right who are turned not out to be a lot automatically backpedaling from it so this is a completely fraudulent bill of goods what are the political
0: consequences within England itself for that kind of outright chicanery and of course when when cameron made this pledge several years ago he couldn't possibly have anticipated a numer- all the problems that have happened to the eu in the last mm. uh, 2 years We've had this prolonged counting the refugee crisis. Well, we've had this prolonged Greek uh, crisis vis-à-vis the euro, hmm. and of course, Greece went through all sorts of uh, <laughs> referendum uh, elections, votes to stay, to go, all sorts of austerity measures were imposed on Greece. Greece's relevance to the to the EU as such was was minuscule. They could have left the EU and gone hmm. back to the drachma but the problem was Greece benefited from being in the EU probably just as much as Britain does so it dem- and i don't even know that referendum is a concept in british parliamentary democracy it's been pointed out over and over this referendum isn't binding referendum was part of the progressive era that developed in the united states and this turned into a united states style campaign for a while with all sorts of disinformation, and uh, tele-ads, and an assassination to boot. And of course, the British actually suspended the quote campaigning for three days, which ironically probably uh, helped the, uh, the Brexit people. And of course, this is also part of the problem with what Cameron was dealing with. The people that were in favor of leaving the EU came up with Brexit. What was Cameron's campaign? Remain. What does remain mean? Remain sounds like yes, be a druid, be a tree, worship trees, sit by the side of the road, remain.
1: It doesn't even sound that good. It sounds like who's sit it? tight, sit still. Who's gonna, uh, who's remains it? of course are, are like <laughs> dead dead body, right? <laughs> I mean, Look who in comes the fridge. What's yeah. left? Uh there's some remainders of the chicken, broccoli and roast potatoes. Uh, what does but,
0: remain mean? I mean, yeah, that's it, not it, a strong lead word. It it's not it's not a defense of the EU. It's 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 almost a meaningless word. I mean, it, They should we have gone it. with something like Think this through, eh? (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, And, of course... uh, Give it some thought. You know, Cameron obviously, I think, is doing the right thing by, quote, stepping down. He doesn't want to negotiate the end of the British Empire. (laughs) Let Boris Johnson do it. But don't let Nick Farage do it. That guy is a, a numbskull. And let's give out a couple of brain damage awards to Donald Trump and Sarah Palin. Palin said and I'm paraphrasing here I don't have the exact quote in front of me they got their country back <laughs> and I'm like what are you talking about their country is disintegrating and it may disintegrate yet trump of course praised the the vote and claimed that he predicted it i'm like when where did trump predict such a thing he was in scotland at the time tending yeah. to the golf course how interesting <laughs> how interesting since Scotland may end up in the EU, remain with the EU. Trump's golf course may be in the EU in two years. It's 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 almost surreal, surrealistically funny uh, at the end of the day, but obviously the British pound sterling has, has plummeted. It's not likely to recover anytime soon because of all the uncertainty. This is a sort of a, a joke about, uh, you know, divorce proceedings where... <laughs> One person says, I want to get divorced. And then the next day they say, well, maybe I don't. I guess I do have to file the papers, (laughs) but maybe I'll wait a couple more months. Um, So I guess more trouble it's worth. So, I mean, this is this is just turned into and what have the British uh, I mean, what do they sell globally anymore? Services. They benefit from being in the EU. London is a financial center. It's an insurance
1: center. Here's an interesting quip from Jonathan Hill, who resigned over the weekend as the EU Commissioner for Financial Services from England, uh, who says that uh, London is facing an imminent loss of its power over European rulemaking for financial services, a vital sector for the UK economy. Uh, He says... uh, Britain now faces being forced to abide by European banking rules shaped in Berlin, Paris, and Frankfurt on priorities dominated by the Eurozone. So they have given up any voice in any discussions about their primary economic function.
0: Right, and I I mean, you know, tea, tea of all things may become more expensive in Great Britain. So these old, uh, you know, the old shopping women that sit on the park bench—the famous Monty Python skits. Oh, Mrs. Premise! Those are some of the greatest skits of all time. <laughs> those are the people that voted to leave. Now, we get our country back. That's like, but the people that are quote in your country don't aren't even in these villages up in the in the Midlands and in in some of these seaside resorts. I mean, the map is just so fascinating because. When you look at it, the urban areas of England um, all voted to stay, to remain. uh, What a a ridiculous slogan. Um, Short for remain calm, perhaps. But again, not a strong word. It doesn't have any magic to it. It doesn't have either poetry or prose. It's just a dud of a word. (laughs) Remain. Uh, I don't know. I mean, at least, uh, at least in the Spanish-American War, the the slogan was "Remember the Maine," and <laughs> of course, is a reference to the casus Belli for how the Spanish-American War started. And let's remember that was the start of American imperialism. Indeed, the 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 immigration problem, by the way, with with uh, Great Britain. When I lived there as a as a sixth grader in 1970-71. It was the Jamaicans and the Pakistanis mm-hmm. and the people from the Indian, the, the colony of India, because people that were part of the Commonwealth were allowed to emigrate to, to, to Great Britain under certain circumstances. And this is these were the people who were coming into England back in the 70s. So when people are saying we want our country back, they're, they're talking about the free flow of, of goods and people and rules that the EU has adopted as kind of a modern concept to keep uh, keep the peace. This has been the great success of the EU, and selling some of the successful aspects of the EU never came up in this campaign. I, I just wanted to point out, and this is just a, a random thing that I happen to be looking at through some of my old newspapers. Just a couple of weeks ago, this is this is what the EU does. It says the. European Parliament accused Poland's right-wing government on Wednesday—this is from the 14th of April—of undermining democracy, overwhelmingly adopting a resolution, urging it to respect the decisions of a top Polish court. A constitutional crisis that has gripped the country for five months has allowed the right-wing law and justice party to govern with a free hand prompting protests nationwide. The resolution is not legally binding, but it offers yet another sign that Poland, the sixth largest economy in the EU, and a major net recipient of its programs faces growing pressure from Western powers. Now, read those words carefully. A net recipient. They benefit from being in the EU. They get more back than they put in. This is a resolution. This is what the EU does. It, it, it sits in Brussels and Strasbourg, and it has endless debates about things. It doesn't have any enforcement mechanism to do things. It uses a kind of moral suasion to convince people to behave better. So this is why, for instance, the Greek uh, currency crisis and the, and the current migrant crisis uh, related to the wars in the Middle East that were basically started by the American government Mm. that's creating this refugee problem in, in Europe, they're not responsible for the refugee crisis in the Middle East and Afghanistan. Their countries refuse to go along with the invasion of Afghanistan. So this idea and this alarmist rhetoric that we heard in the last several weeks of the campaign about this red tape and bureaucracy at the eu i'm like no the eu is like a pompous debating society it's endless talk it's there's no teeth in what they do yes there are the little bureaucrats that sit around in offices and come up with ideas about how to make life better But I'd like to point out that most of the people in the EU that are part of, quote, Western Europe have a much higher standard of living than the British. They have a much higher standard of living than the Americans. They have health care paid for by their people. Public transit. They have trains. London has, has the tube. It's 100 years old. It's 100 degrees down in some of those tube stations. This is unbelievable. But if you listen to American media and the spin about the EU, you, you'd think we're dealing with Huns. We're not. Well, you mentioned the uh, Romans were at one point, but Sarah
1: Palin's uh, observations. But uh, some other really remarkable comments from uh, such intellectual heavyweights as John Bolton, who says, quote, the British peasants had voted to leave the feudal manor. Well, that's sort of a backhanded compliment to Britain, I guess. Newt Gingrich, uh, noted quasi-historian and vice presidential hopeful, I guess we should add, uh, tweeted that, quote, Churchill and Thatcher would be proud. Well, Churchill was actually one of the first guys to put forward the idea of a United States of Europe. But, you know, of course, his plan did not involve Britain as being a part of it. But
0: uh, Newt's grasp of history has never been good. Um, and by the way, that was that was at the basic concept of the European Common Market when it started out with the six original members. It was Italy, France, Germany, and the so-called Benelux countries. Actually, the Benelux, the three, were the very beginnings. You know, that's Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg, which is probably no bigger than greater Detroit. Uh, and by the way, they have a per capita... Uh, income in in Luxembourg of about one hundred and ten thousand dollars. <laughs> of course, they benefit from lax tax laws and uh, lots of shady banking. But we'll leave that aside. There's this 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 mythology that's been created that the EU creates all this bureaucracy and heavy-handed red tape, and I I just find it somewhat uh, you know. There's a lot of talk. But uh, the actual enforcement of, of some of these rules, what, what does how does it happen? They've had negotiations with Norway going on for 17 years. The, these things are like the famous debate in, in Monty Python. I've come to have a debate. Oh, well, you have to go downstairs for the... Came in here for an argument. Oh, oh well, we... This is abuse. Yes. It's like, okay. So that's how it's going to be, eh? Right. So... This is what we're talking about here. This is the reality, but the media coverage is terrible. About the truth, uh, the truth got got lost in the the memorable slogan remain. And and I get back to that. I just I just, you know, the the blunders by Cameron here are 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 monumental. Um and of course Boris Johnson, what what does he do? He gets into this this uh, EU uh, debate at the last second because he's been the mayor of London uh, until about five or six weeks ago when, yeah. when London actually uh, elected a Muslim for the first time, an, a British-born Muslim uh, by the name of Khan. I forget his first name. Uh, so, yes, the EU has Bartleby the Scriveners working in, in some dingy office. It's probably a pretty well-lit office somewhere in Brussels or Strasbourg looking at rules. One of the things that I like about the EU, by the way, at the moment, is they're questioning what Google and Apple are doing with technology. You know, they're actually raising some legitimate questions about privacy and control of data. And where does this information go? Do you have a right to be forgotten, quote-unquote? These sorts of issues. These are real issues that need to be sorted out by rational people. But I would much rather have people talking in Brussels or Strasbourg or wherever than uh, shooting or firing artillery or dropping bombs. That's been the success of the EU. Well, and the angry, hostile voter
1: who simply wants to upset the status quo, which clearly is the Trump, 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 Trump demographic, as well as the demographic for the leave vote,
0: Um, they're just angry. And so they're sending a message, quote unquote. We heard people say, oh, well, I sent them a message. And they're like, yeah, the markets just sent you a message. The British pound sterling just went down 15 percent. Your country was in the economic doldrums back in the 70s and the 60s when you're Ooh, painting for the fjords. The fjords of Scotland, I guess. Um, I mean, Britain's economy was terrible in the, in the, in the 60s and 50s. Uh, they benefited from joining the EU. And they still have benefited from being in the EU. They're still technically in it. The papers haven't been filed yet. I don't know if Cameron's going to show up and file them but there are obviously some uh some some bureaucrats uh within the EU now that are saying okay well you voted to get out get on with it we don't want to hear your your complaints anymore don't let the door hit you on the rear end <laughs> right we've been listening to your bellyaching for for 15 years now and to me it's it's a remarkable development and yet when people are defending Staying in the in the in the EU, they're called elites. This is a new well approach. It is, doesn't get to the merits of the of what's going to happen. And this this is the point I was trying to make about the
1: angry, hateful nature of a lot of these constituencies is that they see talk as weakness, they see debate and discussion as a waste of time, and their you know elected figures that they you know rally around like Trump and Cruz. Uh, participate in the vilification. I mean, uh, there's the famous book here uh, in America, the anti-intellectualism uh, in American politics.
0: Oh, Richard Hofstadter. Hofstadter. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's, a, that's a strain right now that's, 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 that's overwhelming. And in fact, if you want a single explanation for what really happened here, I, I attribute it to social media. Misinformation. Because the echo chamber, these problems that we're having in America with our political system, in which money is 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 overly influencing campaigns with false advertising, and that lies can just be perpetuated ad nauseum, ad infinitum, uh, depending on how much money you have, and that's called free speech. <laughs> Uh, th- this is part of the problem. Social media is this reinforcement mechanism that's contributing to some of this misinformation and continuing spread of misinformation. Then, if you raise questions or object, you're vilified on social media. You're well, and you're hurt. ostracized or you're. You're, you're, you're called, you know, you're sort of shamed by the community. Well, because of the
1: concision of these formats. Uh, I don't know how many characters or words you fit in on a tweet, but it's extremely limited. The nature of a true discourse is lost altogether. Sure, because these are complicated problems. Exactly. And, uh, you know, some of these people who sh- sh- send out a tweet and then have to retweet, a, well, what it really meant was blah, blah, blah. I guess you have to stop and think WWLT. What would Lincoln tweet? <laughs> he probably
0: wouldn't tweet at all. He'd jot something down on the back of an envelope and then think about it a little bit more. Well, he was a thoughtful, uh, a thoughtful president. And as I was jokingly telling somebody a couple of uh, weeks ago, I, I doubt that farmers in Indiana and Pennsylvania woke up every day and wondered why Lincoln wasn't exciting them. You know, that this is a new concept of Well, there's no passion in David Cameron's presentation, but Boris Johnson, he has passion. I love it. Yeah, well, he's also feeding you a lot of rubbish. Uh, Rubbish. (laughs) Anyway, you have been listening to uh, Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. We are out of time. Uh, Andrew has been our engineer this evening. And, of course, we will get back to (laughs) Trump and the campaign next week.
1: Because after Yazoo City calling, uh, get ready for the Attila the Hun show here. On- That's right. <laughs> Actually, no. There's some fine musical programming coming your way.
0: Stay tuned all evening. Uh, Neil and Bud, uh, the President of the United States is in his office now, and would like to say a few words to you, over. That would be honor. Hello, Neil and Buzz. I'm talking to you by telephone from the Oval Room at the White House. And as you talk to us from the sea of tranquility, it inspires us to redouble our efforts to bring peace and tranquility
1: to Earth. For one priceless moment in the whole history of man, all the people on this Earth are truly
0: one. WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor, keeping Richard Nixon's vision of peace and global unity alive with sounds and music from all the cultures of all the people all over the world.
1: Uh, like you think the, one, the ones that, what do you call that music we have in the restaurants or in the elevators? That music is destructive. That music, if we had good music playing for people, it happens to society on the streets, you know? I feel like uh, mummies uh, have a new record coming out. Or I feel like well, maybe this time they'll hear it.